Hey, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanato Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always. And this week we are joined by. Oh, you're asking me to say my name. Now. <laughs> 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 my name's Nathan York. Hey, welcome, welcome, Nathan. Glad to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're having you on a big episode, dude. This is uh, a yeah. season one finale. Yeah, we, we made it. So thank you for coming here with us. Uh, before we launch into that finale. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your experience with, and background with the Pokemon franchise? Sure. I guess I won't uh, go too long on this, but uh, I definitely combed back in the annals of my life to realize that, you know, Pokemon's kind of been with me for a very long time. I was uh, very much excited about the franchise from the very first time I saw the video game. It was actually the first thing I spent my own earned money on. Hmm. Oh, wow. I grew up in a, a family of four other siblings and two parents. So we didn't really have allowances. It was like you earn your income if you want something to spend money on. And so I started refing soccer when I was 12, and I used that money to buy a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Red. Wow. That's impressive. And, uh, that's kind of where I got my first jump on the game. Now, the show was already out at the time, too, which is a whole other bag of cats, but I am very much a fan of Pokemon, <laughs> uh, so much so that I even competed in the trading card game tournament i didn't get to the actual official tournament i was only in the quote-unquote grinder uh beforehand but mm. huh, nice but you were showing so, off some pretty impressive cards before the show before we kicked off the show yeah the majestic don mewtwo is kind of a winner <laughs> that's from the majestic john set and then the mewtwo x is uh nice certainly a valuable little card when I actually you... looked it up on eBay. Oh. Apparently, people are still selling it, so who knows? Nice. For how much? Maybe like $10. <laughs> Respectable. That'll buy you a booster pack. Yeah. That's yeah, a, that's... that'll buy me one booster pack in the current modern age. <laughs> that's that's dinner at Chipotle. That's dinner at Chipotle, man. <laughs> but a much simpler game I'd like to invite you to play uh, than the card game. Uh, can you join us for a game of Mon Mom to kick things off? Absolutely. Mr. Darling, are you ready? What if one day a guest says no? What do we, we do br then? You bring this up at least every yeah, other episode, yeah, and right. I say that if a guest says no, then you get the point. Yeah, okay. Next, I'm time okay a, the next time a guest tries to make that bit, I'm honestly giving you the point. <laughs> my word. For all the shenanigans I pull with Mon Mom. <laughs> all right. But Mon Mom, for those who are new to the show, is the game where I have sent my mother a picture of one of today's Pokemon, and she is going to describe it and give it a name. So today we are talking about the Dratini family. Um, or is that? Am I putting the emphasis wrong there? Is it Dratini? I've already Dratini? said Dratini. I like Dratini. Yeah. Um, so it's the Dratini family and our two big boys, Mewtwo and Mew. Mm -hmm. So this brings us home for Gen One. Um, so because the scoreboard is currently sitting at a very suspenseful ten to nine, uh, we will give Nate a first go on the guess after I play my mom's recording. And whatever Nate picks will be locked out for Mr. Darling. So, gentlemen, are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. This Pokemon looks like a bald Maniku. I will name it Saga. Okay. So, a bald Maniku. And she's naming it Saba? Saba. Nate and Michael, do you both know what a Maniku is? Uh, I believe it's some manner of opossum. 
Yes, it uh, is. I had to look it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is the Trinidadian word for a, a possum. Um, so she is describing it as a bald possum that she's naming Sava. Huh. Uh, so, Nate, your guess. I'm going to go ahead and say it is a Dratini. Okay. Hmm. Because of the big ears and white eyes. Ooh, that's a good guess. I'm going to lean more towards Mewtwo on this. Well, Mr. Darling, your victory for this generation of Pokemon has been secured. Huzzah. However, you were one Pokemon off in the Pokedex. It was Mew. Oh, it's Mew. It was Mew. <laughs> it was Mew. See, I knew I it was going to be one of those two. I just didn't know. Mewtwo looks more like a bald uh, possum to me. You know, I really, I had to honor the fact that in our show logo, it is a silhouette of Mew for those uh, for those familiar with our white on black little silhouette. Um, we'll get to Mew eventually, but for now, let's start out with the Pokemon that wasn't a bald manicou, Dratini. <laughs> I mean, technically, aren't all of them except for Mew bald manicous? This is true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dratini is our first proper dragon type that we encounter in the games. Uh, and you get it by either handing over 2,800 coins at the game corner or fishing with the Super Rod at the Safari Zone. You did not get this Pokemon, because in order to get it at the Safari Zone, you had like a 25% chance of catching it, well, sorry, encountering it, and then you had to go through all of the Safari Zone bullshit mechanics to try and catch it. Yeah, the limited step counter. Was it a step counter or a time limit? Uh, it was a step count. I think there might have been a time limit also, maybe, but definitely a step counter. Yeah. Uh... But, I mean, yeah, the step yes. counter didn't apply when you were fishing, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But still, just like having to deal with the throw rock, throw food, hope it doesn't run away, hope it stays in the ball. You only get X number of balls. Yeah. The Safari Zone was one of those things that by the time you get there, you've already ground your face into several caves and all kinds of different areas in the game. And I feel like by the time you get there, you're just so exhausted. You don't care anymore. I was going to say, you can be like a very kind, benevolent being and feed your Pokemon that you run into <laughs> in the Safari Zone, or you can just not give shits anymore and just hurl rocks at everything you see. <laughs> I mean, for my part, I feel like that is definitely the drop-off of like every time I played through the game where like even my own formidable sense of OCD would, get the, would be finally defeated, and I'd be like, I'm not doing the 151 <laughs> playthrough. Yeah. Um, especially because I only, I mean, we'll get to it, but I only ever got Mew once and then promptly lost it, lost the save file with it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. It's a, it's nothing too spectacular. Yeah. But I do, but to come back to Dratini, I am a big fan of this particular Pokemon in the family. Um, you know, one thing that I did, that we did discover in the lore is that apparently they, uh, they travel in colonies, which I think makes this the closest thing to like a take on a dolphin. That we have, strangely yeah, enough. I mean, it, I feel it's more sea serpent, but there hasn't been a proper dolphin Pokemon ever, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also the size of it is also very similar to dolphins too. Like it is about six feet long, so it ends up being kind of like a dolphin salamander hybrid, is the way I look at <laughs> it. Or uh, what's the other, the axolotl, or however you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's not the right way to say it, but that's definitely the way that I would say it too. Is axolotl. Please correct me on the proper way to say it because <laughs> no, I have. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm too <laughs> nervous to try and take a swing at the axolotl or whatever <laughs> way that you're supposed to say it. But axolotl is what makes sense to me too. <laughs> and yeah, it kind of does. It looks like a salamander to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. No legs though. Yeah. So that's so that's an interesting thing where like I do dig the fact that they kind of 
this is a very simple design. We've talked about this before. Simple designs sometimes are the best designs in terms of the creativity, where they took so many little elements and put them together in such a great way to make something that is reminiscent of a salamander, a sea serpent, and all these things. But really, it's just a line and a circular n button nose. <laughs> um, well, it's got the little, the little ears that are kind of horn-like, which are adorable also. Yeah, and those, it is full of cuteness. Yeah, and those ears become like their own thing. Um, and I do actually, and you know, the ears actually liken it to kind of the Dragoon, a classic depiction in fantasy of like a Dragoon's helmet, which was supposed to be Dratini's original name. Huh, interesting. Um, it was supposed to be Dragoon. Yeah, so the speculation is, is that the original name was supposed to be a play on Lagoon and Dragon kind of mushed together. Um, and, you know, kind of thinking about that, Dragoon, when I picture like a Dragoon character in Final Fantasy, I think of the helmet with those kinds of like fins on it. Hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So it is a nice little touch that actually for once makes the beta name not completely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Dratini is so much better though. Dragoon is a little too obvious I think. Yeah, well I mean what do you make of the name Dratini? Like where does it come from and what does it mean? Huh. Oh, I mean It's a cute the, name. The draw is dragon. Okay. Like that. But the teeny, all I can think is, it's tiny. It's teeny. It's dratini. <laughs> I got nothing real. No. I'm thinking of like a uh, medieval times themed uh, martini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually where my head was at too, was some kind of like dragon martini. Like so cute. Yeah, I mean, cute. so one other thing I want to double back on that I put in the notes when I noted this similarity with dolphins because... The world can't hear this enough, but uh, Thomas Edison, piece of shit, from American history. Wait, sorry, where do we get? How do we get from Dratini to Thomas Edison? It's because uh, dolphin. It's because Edison. it's because dolphins are also kind of benefit from this weird, like, very good PR thanks to Lisa Frank stationery. <laughs> but they are also yeah. assholes. <laughs> and Thomas I mean, Edison. You know, they just want to get down. They're not really assholes. They just are always horny. They're always down to play. <laughs> always horny and trying to fight yeah yeah they're like, frat boys like they beat yeah. up other marine life just for fun <laughs> like they're the only they're one of the only like species that can be predatory just for fun uh, well, i mean whales are assholes too like they the killer whale i think will kill. pick yeah they'll kill baby seals by just throwing them back and forth until their next snap but they eat the right. baby seals yeah but you know that's a sadistic way to kill it wouldn't you say but dolphins will just straight up beat the shit out of, like, other marine life for no apparent reason other than they were on their turf. <laughs> like, the dolphins are the jets of the marine life world. They're not the sharks? Yeah. No, well, the sharks are, are the sharks. are dolphins, too, so it fits into the whole dolphins are assholes. Because for sure, killer whales abs absolutely, like, play with their food. Yeah. And are super abusive. Yeah. They literally just toss the baby seal around until its next snaps. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what else are you going to do in the ocean? you got to play games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a big wide ocean out there. It's just the same thing every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're just doing what they got to do. But um, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, it's the same thing every day, except when one of our shipping vessels are around. Yeah. Sonar sounds. <laughs> yeah. Sonar is like one of the one of the most terrifying things for oceanic creatures. Whales will beach themselves because it's so loud and so mm. intense. Uh, this is our first dragon type, and 
Dragon wasn't too overpowered when it was first introduced, I think. But uh, for one thing, it only had one attack in Generation 1 that actually did damage, and it was a constant 40 power. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, no weakness, no stab. Uh, but it got a little more powerful as Generations went on. Uh, and they've got great space stats. They're resisting grass, fire, water, and electric, which are, you know, a type that basically everyone has one of those in their team, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And the only weakness that it had in the first gens were itself and ice. So, not too bad. Uh, that's why they had to invent the fairy type, just because dragons became so powerful, they needed to put it in check. Yeah, and I kind of remember pointing this out, I think it was way back in our first fairy type episode, that it's interesting to me that fairy is a type that is uniquely strong against those kinds of, like, image tough guy types. Mm. So it's strong against dragon and, like, a bunch of other things. Fighting. That, like, yeah, that yeah. look like that like just it would be super embarrassing to lose to a fairy to <laughs> Like and so dragons are kind of I I mean, who didn't want a dragon type in their set though? Like it just sounds cool. Yeah. Well it's interesting because this is the only dragon line in the first generation. Yeah. I mean and they definitely gave it a good amount of respect, at least in terms of uh you know, you kind of had, like, a quasi-dragon-looking Pokemon that you could get right at the start through Charmander. Mm. Um, but then they said, like, no, if you want the real dragon, you've got to fucking suffer for it. <laughs> yeah. And level it up yeah. to a level 55 to get it late in-game. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it was just a huge grind. It wasn't even just the Safari Zone antics. It was also the fact that you were catching Dratini at what level? Like, 12 or something like that? And you had to get them 40 levels up? I think it was a yeah, little higher, a but yeah, it was something. Yeah, it was a workout. Yeah, and yeah. you were catching them at that level at a point in the game when your average team was two to three times as as much in terms of levels. So yeah, they just buried that Pokemon for just the most patient of people. Hmm. Um, but yeah, well, I mean that's why it's a pseudo legendary because you have to put in the work, and also it's got great stats. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It does have great stats. All right, so let's move on to uh, the second stage of that evolution before we get to the slightly more baffling third stage of this one, um, Dr Dragonair, which I always thought the name was a little bit weird because yeah. it didn't. It would this was the one that didn't have wings, so this was like a constant case of like I would always mix up which one was Dragonite and which one was Dragonair back in the day. Oh yeah, I eventually had to to myself the one without wings was Dragonair. Yeah, and that's but here's the interesting thing is that Dragonair does have wings because those little fins in this evolutionary stage can apparently expand and become the wings on which it soars. Um, which I didn't mean for that to sound so poetic or like a Whitney Houston song, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Dragonair has a lot of interesting features, like the horn for one being pronounced now, mm. um, the winged ears is another, and then it's got the little orb at its neck and the uh kind of rattler at the end of its tail yeah <laughs> it's certainly a uh we just made it longer and added some extra stuff they at least frankified it like 20 percent. oh yeah yeah i mean i yeah i re this is the lisa frank tribute episode um <laughs> but yeah they first off they added gonna have jewels. a tuxedo bear on there Ooh. um or a white siberian tiger <laughs> <laughs> But um, but no, they they even uh, mentioned that this thing has a glowing aura about it, like it's so special that it just glows for no apparent reason. So yeah, the, but it also can't learn fly too. It yes. glows. It has jewels. 
has wings. It's noted that it has wings. See, I'm going to call bullshit on the wings theory. I'm just going to say that is the writing of 11-year-olds riding the Pokedex. They're like, big ears, must be able to fly. It's a Dumbo situation. Yeah, maybe it can just <laughs> catch some major air coming out of the water sometimes. <laughs> I mean, speaking of baby seals being mistreated, I don't know if you guys will ever watch the original Planet Earth documentary. Oh, yeah. Um, but that yeah. one shot that, like, they put it in the first episode is, like, the sizzle reel. But, like, the seal trying to dodge the great white shark, and it's in slow motion, and you just see the seal come up, and you see the shark start to break the water in yes. slow motion, and it just keeps coming just to really <laughs> drive home. Sharks are much bigger than you think they are. <laughs> and also much faster than the little seals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that thing just completely broke the water. Like, you wouldn't think something that massive could... But yeah, it completely, I think it got like 10 feet of air or something like that in that like scene. The baby seal just barely escaped the clutches of the jaw. I felt bad for the yeah. shark. Yeah. Remember, like I think last year or maybe two years ago, when as part of Shark Week, they did that thing where it was supposed to be Michael Phelps races a shark. And then it turns out the shark was actually just like a CG image that they used based on actual shark motion. Mm -hmm. And unsurprisingly, the CGI shark creamed him. Well, of course. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, it was so dumb. I, I mean, didn't they have like a running show of that on? Like they did like a running man series. Man vs. Wild or Man vs. Nature or something Yeah, it was like that. Man vs. Nature. Nature. And it was like, I remember the one I always remember is Kobayashi trying an eating contest against a bear. <laughs> yes. oh, did you ever see this? <laughs> I did not see that. That sounds fascinating, though. I think yeah. there was one also where it was like the world's strongest man tries to pull an airplane further than an elephant or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the one that, so like the one advantage that the humans always had in these contests was that they wouldn't like be cruel to the animals or force the animals to do anything. So like the bear racing Kobayashi was just <laughs> like well, he was like he was released into like a cage that had the hot dogs on the opposite side and Kobayashi was allowed to start as soon as the bear was released into the cage. Hmm. And the bear just kind of trundles over very casually. It's very, and like Kobayashi's already trying to inhale hot dogs. I don't know if you've ever seen that man eat a hot dog, oh, yeah. but holy crap, yeah, it's yeah. disgusting. Um, he's a he's a three bite guy, just three chomps and it's in. Oh yeah, he's basically like he's he's dipping. Is, isn't he the guy that dips that was like famous for dipping them in water to just like he them breaks down. it, dips it, buns. puts it in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. He loves those soggy buns. Yeah, and then apparently <laughs> and then apparently sprints like five miles on a tre on a treadmill after every eating contest to burn the calories back Jesus. off. Yeah, he's apparently like he's in really good shape, yeah. or was. Yeah. Man, man versus food is a great example of a person who didn't have a rigorous training routine post consumption, and he just gets paler and like more portly and sadder until he has more time. <laughs> <laughs> um, to summon a better uh, image, let's talk about our our mayor, America's true mayor, the mayor of Flavortown, Guy Fieri. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> who who just outright just bless his heart just has looked plumper and more jolly as his life has gone on and i know he's like a subject of like easy punchlines and stuff like that but i respect guy fury because he's just a very charitable guy he has other issues he looks like midlife crisis santa claus i'm down with that santa claus santa claus on summer vacation <laughs> i mean his adherence to the button-up like bowling shirts kind of thing <laughs> is part of what kills me and and the fact that he's never left the frosted tips era of hair. Hmm. I mean, that's dedication. But <laughs> I wonder maybe 
what if he has a really sad inner life? Like, he never wanted this to become his look. It was just the thing that he was wearing when he got big, and now it's just stuck that way. But yeah, so to bring it back to Guy Fieri, like, I think it was you, was it you that shared this to the, to our, like, side thread? Somebody found one of those, like, cheap knockoff Halloween costumes that is clearly yes. a Guy Fieri costume, except the title of it is Governor of Tasteville. Yes! <laughs> Which... If anyone goes to Halloween as Governor of Tasteville, please, please, please oh. at me with that, a picture of yourself in that costume. Yeah. One of my favorite things are these knockoff costumes that don't have, like, can't afford to use the actual name. Like, my all-time favorite is Juice Demon, which is legally not Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was, like, trying to put together, like, what the fuck is a Juice Demon? It's <laughs> supposed to be a take on. I was looking at Halloween costumes uh, recently, and I found a pumpkin suit man, which is supposed to be David S. Pumpkins. Oh, oh yes. Mm. <laughs> Nate, so, if I if this isn't too personal a question, are you doing? Are you dressing up as anything for Halloween? What do you? Uh... Absolutely, I am. That's a great question. I am a very very big fan of both cosplay and um, Halloween costumes in general, and I have one that I. Uh, my partner and I put together my partner Kristen mm-hmm. um, for Shout out to Kristen. the first Adult Swim Festival, and it was Sergeant Hatred. But right after he switched sides, oh, to Sergeant Hatred, yeah, nice. so it's the blue the blue jumpsuit with the white Venture helmet. So. You have the V painted on your face. Oh yeah, I put the I put the H on my face because it's in his transition period. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, nice, nice. Mr. Darling, roundtable for Halloween costumes if uh, we're coming up on that. Yeah, Meg and I are going to Shout be... Shout out to Meg. Thank you. I was waiting for it. Are going to be Aziraphale and Crowley from Good Omens. Oh, that's fantastic. So, which one's which? Uh, I'm the good one. Of course. Yeah. You will make a fantastic Michael Sheen. <laughs> um, for anyone that's wondering, I have a Plague Doctor mask. I'm going to wear it with a blazer and slacks, and I'm going to carry around a copy of Nietzsche, and I'll be a Plague Doctor of philosophy. <laughs> Oof. I feel like you need a turtleneck to complete that. I think I might just, yeah, I'll wear a cardigan. <laughs> there we go. Are yeah. you going to be intentionally mean to women the entire evening, too? Oh, God, no. I don't want to do ride, that. Ride that full Nisha train? I think I'll, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think if I were, like, a plague doctor of, like, English literature and I carried around a copy of Vonnegut, that would fit. But that's pretty good. I mean, that's just but, a normal day for you. You're not the only one who looks yeah, at plague sure. masks uh, this Halloween. I was definitely trying to think of like some kind of like bloodborne esque costume. Mm. I mean, See, the my... plague doctor costume in Bloodborne is definitely like the least useful in terms of its like armor class rating. But I just love the way it looks. I completely Absolutely. agree. How well, can... and then you can do your run as the plague doctor and just be a G and not get hit ever. There's that option. Yeah, I mean, I'm not at that level of bloodborne supremacy, unfortunately. <laughs> You're not gonna speedrun it in like three hours. <laughs> God, dude, I, we've recommend we've mentioned this before, but I mean, I'm a big fan of games done quick. And there's that guy, there's the guy, hey, hey, Zeus, here's toast, who's just entertaining as all hell. But he beats it. He does like a any percent run, um, of in bloodborne. under an hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I think so. I think to do that, you still have to fight like six bosses along the way, which is insane. Like, I fired that game up recently again just for, like, shits and giggles, and I barely got to the f- to the first boss in an hour. You had yeah, me you play got, the you first... You by a bunch of townspeople a lot yeah. of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had me play the first level, and for the most part, I was just like, shit, 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 no! 
Yeah, it's one of my fa- it's one of my favorite drink. First of all, I as an only child, I love getting to see other people play video games. Because oh, yeah. like, if I want to see it, yeah, it's like a weird like only child thing. But like, extra entertainment if I'm feeling a little masochistic is when drinking, having my friends play Bloodborne specifically. <laughs> um, I've done that to a few friends already, especially when they have no experience with it. It's mm. just really good. But most of them get hooked on it too. Um, I actually gave my copy to Brett because of that. Um, nice. Shout out to a past co-host, the first co-host we ever had on the show, actually, Brett. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, wait, question about the Plague Doctor mask. How mm-hmm. can you drink with it on? Because doesn't it cover up the whole face? Or oh, so yeah, it's got. Well, you remove. I can just lift it. Yeah, okay, really you lift easily. it. All right. It's not like it's not a full face thing. Okay. It has like two straps that go around over the back of the head and uh, around, so I can just very easily lift it. See, um, back you could in college, drill a hole, like drill a hole in the mask and then have a straw. I mean that too, but yeah. I don't. But I. But I'm, I'm trying to think like what drinks I enjoy, what cocktails I enjoy that have sh- that involve straws or would involve straws, and I don't want a sugar hangover from a bunch of pina coladas. <laughs> like that just sounds terrible. <laughs> See, back right in college, I was, uh, um, I was the Magritte painting, the Son of Man. You know, the guy with the bowler hat, the suit, and the apple over his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that meant that I was wearing an apple over my face, like a printed apple, over my face for the entire time. Which is supposed to cover the mouth. So I wound up at this party drinking beer in a cup through a straw, just to preserve the costume. When I reprised the look a couple years later, I just put the apple on a stick and carried it in front of my face whenever there was a photo. Mm-hmm. Well, friend of the show and mutual friend of Nate and I, Sarah Hamilton, when I told her my costume idea, she just literally said, do you just try to find a costume every year that involves you getting to wear a suit and a mask that you can take <laughs> off? And I was like, yes, you finally cracked the code. <laughs> well, didn't you, I think it was last year, you said that the Plague Doctor, the Plague Doctor mask was going to be your look for Halloween for every year. Yeah, I've decided that as a man over 32, I'm just going to use the Plague, I'm just going to do different plays on Plague Doctor from now on. Like, so I'll actually get, like, a white lab coat, and I'll be Plague Doctor MD. <laughs> I can't wait for Plague Doctor of Paleontology. Oh, oh like, man. Like, Plague Doctor like, who? Uh, Hammond. Or not Hammond, sorry, uh, but uh, Grant. Oh, yeah. Plague Doctor of British Anthropology. I just wear, like, the uh, tan <laughs> safari suit with, like, the super short shorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and carry around a uh, porcelain teacup. <laughs> Plague Doctor who? Uh, oh, yeah. Plague Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. Plague Doctor Strange. Yes. <laughs> Plague Doctor House will be simple. You yeah. just have to wear a blazer and jeans. There you go. That fits my Uber. He needs a cane, though. Oh, oh, you wear a 76ers jersey, and you can be Plague Doctor J. Ooh. See, I've got, like, the next seven years of Halloween costumes figured out thanks to this recording. <laughs> easily. Easily. And then if I just wear some Beats headphones, Plague Doctor Dre. Bingo. You know, there's footage of him from when he got started where he was wearing scrubs to DJ. Oh, that's fantastic. Like, he actually went in on his name when he got started. I mean, that's so delightfully cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that he committed to a bit as, like, this super street rapper. But, no, I'm going to wear scrubs and, like, sell it. <laughs> well, this is when he was just DJing. But, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, back in the day. Hmm. All right. Well, spe- uh, let's get back to Dragonair. <laughs> I took us off down several or roads there. Or is that there. Dr. Agonair? Ooh. There we go. The man cannot be defeated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, last one. Plague Dr. Acula. Ugh. Gurone, <laughs> <laughs> that's a reach. That was that was a reach and a half. And you love it. 
Um, I do want to point out that because this is one of my other little things that I like to uh, call out. We don't have we don't have super crazy uh, Pokemon biology stats today. No. Um, this one Dragonair is 13 feet long, which by sea dwelling creature standards, not all that big. I just want to point out you say we don't have super crazy biology stats for literal dragons and. You know, two psychic cats, one of whom is a clone. I mean, we have dragons in our world. They're called Komodo dragons, so okay. And they're terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And they are. This guy, on the other hand, rather than being terrifying and like mildly poisonous, is just a sea serpent yeah. that's just chilling out in the ocean, only thirteen feet long, with funny wing ears. And Which... I'm gonna be honest, like kind of a like, hey, what's up, kind of look. You know? <laughs> yeah. She's, she's looking to play the field. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the other thing is, is that like the wing, the wing fin thing is something that we actually do see in nature. Like there are quote unquote flying fish hmm. that have those fins that allow them to kind of like glide and catch a little bit of air when they come when they jump out of the water. So, not too crazy a creature, all things considered. Yeah. What's weird yeah. to me about this one and Rattini is that they're both always kind of depicted as aquatic. And so it's odd that they're just dragon, they're not dragon water. I feel in generation later generations they would be if they were introduced then. But since they're Gen 1, they're just straight dragon. I mean, we already have so many water types. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think of all the, like, I agree with you. It is weird that there isn't, like, a dual type, at least on the first two stages. Like, I feel like it, I agree with you. I think it should be water dragon for the first two and then make it pure dragon for uh, Dragonite, who we'll get to well, in a minute. You wouldn't have the excellence that is Palkia. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we get Kingdra in the next generation, which is Water Dragon. But we'll get to yep. that soon. Yeah. Soon. Um, Johto is just around the corner. Last bit of legendary-type lore that you... Do you want to cover this, darling? Um, well, uh, Shinies. Let's talk Shiny first. Oh, yeah. Uh, so both yeah. this and Rotini are this great kind of bubblegummy purple uh, shade. Lavender, if you will. Mauve, if you're feeling fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh but then Dragonair, its jewels turn orange, hmm. and it just looks fabulous. So its jewels turn orange. What color does the body turn? Just uh, the also the magenta. So oh, like okay. white and magenta. Or yeah. I was hoping that the jewel Lavender. was the only yeah. change, so that way it would be New York Knicks colors. <laughs> but the life is hard for a New York Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the they made their Anthony, choice. Or even the Carmelo Anthony era of the Knicks is just a sad time. <laughs> I mean, they made their choice. I mean, you could try to break down the Knicks' woes and misery by player, but I prefer to just look at it purely as James Dolan because it has literally been just pure misery since he bought the team back in 1999. Oh, yeah. He sucks. That's like, fair. it's a one to one correlation with like him taking ownership and then just the team going to pot and being stuck there. They're trying. They're still trying. I mean, they did trade away Porzingis, which was a horrible idea. Yeah, I mean, he was like the one. I mean, it's just a testament to how poorly managed the team is from like a top-down perspective mm. that they like had this literal generational talent. Like, you know, you have not seen another player like this guy since Dirk Nowitzki, and mm-hmm. the fact that they overlap at all in their careers is kind of impressive. Is kind of amazing. But yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just mishandled him, mistreated him until he just didn't want to play and they had to trade him to get yeah. something out of it yeah speaking of dirk just how he is well was the longest serving player in the nba tied with the now longest serving because he went another season vince carter mm-hmm. like vince is in what his 20 something season and he's still playing pretty good 
Yeah, and he's retiring at the end of the year, but yeah, like yeah. he was he was a star when I was in middle school. Yeah, that's a name that just kind of is synonymous with just the NBA period. Mm. Just like name an NBA player, Michael Jordan, it's Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Although Vince is weird because like he hasn't been a star for like a decade, mm-hmm. but he's such a renowned talent and also a journeyman at this point, basically that everyone knows him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just, still effective, though. Yeah. That's the thing that I love about Vince Carter, is he's still effective, whereas Shaq, towards the end of his career, uh, yeah. was just kind of a bench player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, big Aristotle got, the big Aristotle got a little too big. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. that's kind of the way of centers, is just they kind of get to that, like, sort of doughy, slowed down, not mm-hmm. able to be as explosive as they need to to really Patrick be. Ewing. There you go. Yeah. Um, counter to that, rule though because there's always an exception to every rule uh did you watch the uh season opener yes dwight howard can we talk about his hair um yeah sure <laughs> let's touch on that <laughs> what do you what do you have what I thoughts just, do you have oh just head? well i haven't seen dwight in action in some time because i don't think dwight has had action in some time for one no. thing uh but he had those two braids that were dyed orange and then the rest of his hair was kind of short yeah i couldn't tell if it was like it was a weird fusion hairstyle. I thought it was kind of like a weird take on a faux hawk, and then like the middle like crest had been braided down instead of like just left to stand, which is kind of like a weird take on his hairstyle that he's had for years anyway. Yeah, like a cornrow faux hawk. Yeah, a cornrow hawk. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go for that portmanteau. Eh, I thought about it, and I decided <laughs> not to. <laughs> That's why I there was describe it as a custom hairstyle in like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, think just... a, I think it's a hairstyle from Sunset Overdrive. I was thinking, <laughs> just imagine the people who have to program 2K and they see him walk in and they're like, "Shit, we have to come up with that now." Oh wait, hang on. I want Nate's reaction to this. Nate, we brought this up on a previous episode of the podcast, but apparently Dwight Howard is a big fan of Thanos from the Marvel. Oh movies. my God, yes. <laughs> Darling, you want to really? tell him why? Yeah. Uh. Well, I God, I need to pull up the exact quote if I want to do it justice, but we've mentioned it before. He has a purple car that is styled, he says, after Thanos, because Thanos is purple. Full and on he says, Thanos purple interior. Yeah, and he says Thanos is his favorite character because he's a guy who like, had to remain emotionless in pursuit of a goal. Yeah, and like he... Uh, that he really focused on his ambitions and his goals, and he had to just you know keep fighting for them or something like that. And I'm just thinking Dwight Howard, a guy who had to be told to by his doctor to stop eating so much candy every day. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Howard, who is renowned at, for being a clown that doesn't take anything seriously. Dwight Howard, for whom on Wikipedia there are like four different citations for the fact that he is team cancer. <laughs> team, I'm sorry, team cancer? Yeah, as in like he causes, he is a locker room cancer. Oh, I see. Yeah. I thought he was just, he was on the opposite side of that fence. You know how everyone's like trying to help raise money for cancer awareness. He's trying to actively raise money to be pro-cancer. He's like, there are too many damn people. (laughs) Dwight Howard, who I just want to throw out one last thing, who our friend and former co-host Henry Meyer once saw on TV at a Houston Astros game wearing a giant foam cowboy hat. This guy thinks Thanos is an aspirational icon. God, I've got to point out one amazing thing, NBA-related and Houston Astros-related that happened this week. James Harden and Russell Westbrook went to one of the uh, World Series games, Hmm. and they are sitting right behind home plate, 
and they got a video of them like when a pitch went up and both of them try to dodge the pitch <laughs> together. <laughs> and the person was like, they are high as fuck right now. <laughs> oh, are we going to do this? Because I can tell you right now, the best person to watch at any sporting event, if he's there, is E40 because he's always high as fuck. I mean, that dodge has happened to me. E40 goes to basically every every Bay Area major sporting event, whether that's uh, the Golden State Warriors or the Giants. But every time he's there, he's always way too high to be at any sporting event. Uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember a time in uh, the 2012 World Series where he's sitting behind the backstop and a ball was passed over the shoulder of Posey and slammed into the wall, and everyone reacts immediately, and he just kind of like turns a little bit, and then he goes and jumps back <laughs> for like a full two seconds after everyone else has reacted. Oh, God. That's like, I think it was Doc Gooden who threw the no-hitter while high on LSD. Yeah, I remember yep. he apparently had no idea what city he was in because he was already like on a bender when he woke up dropped two tabs of acid and then found out he had a game that day yeah he forgot that i think he had forgotten no it's not that good it was somebody else uh but yeah he had forgotten this player had forgotten uh that he was scheduled to pitch the next day and so he dropped acid the night before and he was still rolling by the time he was playing uh Oh, Doc Ellis, yeah. I thought I read part of that story was that when he found out he had to play that day, he just dropped more acid and then went to the uh, stadium. Like, huh, he I have that detail. He, like, know, he was currently rolling, like, he was, he was on acid, like, had put it in his body that day, yeah. not the previous night. Okay, but point is, he had forgotten that he was pitching that day, is the main thrust I remember. Mm-hmm. But still, he got a no-hitter, and he thought Jimi Hendrix was batting with a guitar. Yep. All right, so... Moving on to our last non-legendary of the day, or quasi-legendary of the day, I guess. Pseudo, but yeah. Yeah, um, we have, so this is a dual type. We were speculating about why the other two weren't water dragon, but we have a dragon flying type to close off this family. Dragonite. I mean, because it's got wings. That's what makes it a flying type. Yeah, but I mean, even though the lore says that the other, that the middle stage also flies, quote yeah. unquote. I mean, this has like actual wings. Um, I have mixed emotions about Dragonite. I love the design. Mm-hmm. I like that it's a big old dragon. I like the shiny is basically Pete's dragon, the 1970s Disney film no one remembers. Oh, you went with Pete's. I went with Puff. Well, because it looks like Pete's dragon, just True. minus the stupid monk haircut. Um, but I don't like it as the extension of this line. Yeah. I feel like you've got this cool, elegant thing going on with the first two, and the last one is just like, Hey, I'm a cartoon dragon. Oop. Yeah, I mean, we've we've run into this before where other Pokemon don't feel like logical steps, even within this world of drastic jumps in terms of, like, evolutionary design. Um, Dragonite feels like it was meant to be something else and got attached to this. Like, it got amended to this line eventually. Yeah. Like, I could accept it if it had the same coloration, mm-hmm. but the colors are also just too different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it has some wings. You know, that's the homage back to the uh, previous stage, mm. the dragon air. Yeah. yeah, I guess the ears shifted down to the back. The head's kind of similar also, but yeah, it just... Yeah, I mean, shout out to a uh, friend on Twitter, and darling, you know her too, at I Like Mints. She shared shout this out to malls. Few... Yep, she, shout... she shared this a couple weeks ago, um, that interesting genetic factoid in zoology is that snakes apparently have a single genetic node 
switch that if it's flipped, they can grow four limbs. And it's just this one, and it's not like it's been eliminated completely. It just hasn't turned on in snakes. Hmm. You can turn it on very easily, and they would you would grow a snake with lit with four legs. Snakes with legs. Um, so the, I mean, in terms of that, like it's weird. I don't think this was at all intentional, but I think Dragonite is weirdly justified by that in terms of this evolutionary jump. Weirdly, um, but. The, uh, but the weird thing is that I do want to point out, and I know what you're going to say, darling, and what you're going to reference, is that the name of that gene is the Sonic the Hedgehog gene. <laughs> uh, meow? There it is. Thank so you wait, explain, that. why is it called the Sonic the Hedgehog gene? I don't know. <laughs> Scientists are all fucking nerds. Well, I knew that detail, <laughs> but... They absolutely are. Yeah. yeah. I feel like next week, we're going to go, we're going to end this episode. I'm going to look this up and we'll have to address it at the top of the next one. It'll be in the show notes, folks. Um, it's a National Geographic article. It's a really interesting read. Um, but yeah, for, if you uh, if you are a snake person, then there you go. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing that can kind of justify the whole, like, hey, it goes from serpent. But you know what? I'll save it. I'll save it for uh, my Mon Mods because, as always, I have a uh, evolutionary stage that I'd like to design and propose. <laughs> um, mm. Nate, your thoughts? Oh, uh, on this lovely dragon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was always very excited when, I mean, the first time I evolved, uh, into Dragonite, I was so pumped to have this big chunky boy on my team because <laughs> it is, it's just a beefcake of a Pokemon. And even when it comes out into the field, you get to see like the, the back of its head slash shoulder and it just takes up a ton of, a ton of screen hmm. space. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always had a soft spot for him, but did hate the grind part of getting to it oh yeah level 55 is a big commitment for yeah. a pokemon uh, I think but i mean what a feeling when you get there yeah though. i mean it's almost as much as hating magic carp until it turns into a gyarados <laughs> yeah i mean at least you can do stuff with dragon air yes i mean it's the a functional pokemon yeah i mean the one thing that i think made the grind for a dragonite slightly easier was yeah first off its previous evolutionary stages are useful. But then yeah. second of all, you're also getting them at a stage in the game where it's a lot easier to grind a Pokemon up and catch them up in terms of level if you front yeah. end them on your Pokemon team and then just switch them out. Yeah, or yeah. if you have the experience share. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even with... I ex- always the start and switch. So yeah. I'd always have them be at the start of the lineup and then switch them out. Oh, that reminds me about the experience share. They announced for uh, the new game... That that's just going to be a permanent feature now? Like, oh, thank God. you'll be sharing experience with every Pokemon regardless? Because mm-hmm. you used to be able to turn that off if you wanted to, but now it's just, like, that way forever. So Yeah. Which, I'm, you know, I like that because it will speed it up, but also I kind of... There's something more pure about actually putting the terrible monster out there for a moment, taking the hit on the good mm-hmm. one that you put out, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... But, um. You know, that's something I went back to. A co- I, I replayed Final Fantasy VII very recently. Um, great game. The, the story and the mythos holds up a lot better than I thought it did. Um, but interestingly enough, there's some Final Fantasy games that have experience share, so to speak, among your party that's not gathered. But then you go back to Final Fantasy VI, and it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I hate that thing where you play a sequel game, mm-hmm. and there's a feature you've come to rely on, and you go back to the original, and it's just not there. Yeah. Oh, 
Uh, if you guys want to get into that, the original box system in Pokemon Red, Red and Blue. Oh and Jesus is Christ! Atrocious. Well, the original. Oh yeah. Your item bag, like yeah. they in gold and silver, and from then on, like it was divided up by whatever items they were. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the first one, it's just horrible because it's like you can carry twenty things, and it's just a big mess that you couldn't organize. Nope. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of Sword and Shield, one other thing that we should bring up. Since we last recorded, there's mm-hmm. been a Galarian Ponyta, and it is adorable. It's Super Lisa Frank. Mm-hmm. It's Psychic yeah. type, which is neat, and I'm excited to see what Galarian Rapidash looks like. Yeah, it is a great take on the Ponyta design, on the original Ponyta design in terms of like the flame accents being turned into like this awesome tuft of a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, the mane is super good. The cotton candy mane is fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, it's fairy type. We confer- th- No, it's psychic. Been- it's psychic. It's not. Yeah, psychic. I know. It's not fairy, which is very odd. But Yeah, I thought with the cotton candy coloration that it had to be a uh, fairy type, but nope. Try saying that three times fast. Oof, no, not going to. <laughs> um, Wait a minute, you sure it's fairy type? No, it's no, psychic. No, it's psychic. Or sure it's psychic? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I, so the thing I'm speculating is what about the Rapidash? What about... Uh, Galarian Rapidash. I feel like that might be Psychic Fairy. Like, that's got to imply that there's something bigger that they're hiding. Um, I'm still holding out hope for my prediction of a uh, of a Peacock Pokemon <laughs> for the <clears throat> English region, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. Hey, less than a month. Hey, we're getting I that. I mean, I know it'd be a throwback on fossils, but I'd love to see an Aerodactyl evolution. Ooh, that would be fun. That's just me. Yeah, well, we are yeah. big supporters of Sir Duck with Stick. So, Sir Duck yeah. with Stick. I um, I mean, one thing that I that we touched on in the fossils episode is the fact that like by the time you got to Gen six of this game, fossil resurrection has become relatively commonplace. That it's something a guy is doing out of his trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do in Alola. Um, and it was apparently common enough even in Gen one that like a little kid was able to wander into a scientist lab. Well, have I, don't a fossil. Think, uh, I don't think it was that common because you only get the one, well, two fossils. So they've got a lab dedicated to it, but it's not nearly as common as literally a guy in the trailer. Yeah, it wasn't something that they have like a little kiosk at your local Petco. <laughs> 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 like you can have a fossil resurrected and a new dog ID tag printed out at the same time. <laughs> well, I mean the continued evolution of the games always leads to more and more convenience and weird game shows. So Hmm. I feel like those two things would just go into the next stage where you just throw a fossil into a room and somebody turns it into the actual thing Mm -hmm. and then you dress it up and make it look cute. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, So speaking of things that look cute, let's go back to Dragonite. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baloo, are there any weird statistics about this one? Um, you know what? You caught me unprepared here, but oh wait, sorry. We're back with another speed demon. I knew there was something here. <laughs> I threw you the softball there. I know, but I wasn't I wasn't looking right at the notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we have talked about speed Pokemon before, and I God. thought that our boy was going to be the champion for a long time. You Arcanine, about, oh God, aka Brokenine, who could run around the world who could run 3600 miles in 24 hours um we did the math on it it is crazy fast it's like 260 miles an hour which you know let me start off by saying that the fastest creature on earth the fastest living creature on earth cheetah's the fastest land animal but 
the Peregrine Falcon is able to achieve a speed of 210 miles an hour in a dive that it sustains for no more than 10 seconds no. because then it just goes splat if it stays in that for even a second longer. Um, still absurd that it can like manage a controlled dive at that speed. Um, Arcanine is running faster than that Falcon is falling. <laughs> um, the uh, dragon that we were talking about today is able to surpass the speed of sound. It flies at 1,556 miles an hour. That thing I mean, at least you know where it's at. If it breaks that sound <laughs> <barrier>. <laughs> I mean, oh. this does kind of bring me back to the legendary, and I mean, this was a total filler season of the show. You watched the show, Nate, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You, remember, you remember the Orange Islands? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there that you go. That was a filler. I mean, the one thing that made that season worthwhile was the Charizard versus Dragonite championship battle. I mean, that was Pokemon's, like, take on the Goku-Frieza battle, and it delivered. You're looking at me like I understand anime references. I'm looking at you because you always have the best reaction to me bringing up anime. (laughs) It's usually just a stone, like... Okay, he'll be done with this soon, and then we can talk about things I understand again. Face. <laughs> I mean, it was very entertaining. I just like in the original show when Ash gets to the lighthouse and he runs into Dragonair <laughs> and Dragonite and uh, just goes like, yeah, I don't need to catch that. <laughs> I mean, he said that. I remember, God, he's so dumb. I remember he said yeah. that about a lot of Pokemon because there was an episode where he compared his Pokedex to Gary's. And Gary had, like, fewer Pokemon seen, but a greater percentage of Pokemon caught, and an overall higher number caught than Ash. Yeah. Ash had way more seen, but way fewer caught. And 20 goddamn Tauroses. Yeah. So, not only was his, like, overall, like, his raw number caught lower than Gary's, but also his percentage (laughs) sucked even compared to Jerry. Like, there was no way to skew that data in Ash's favor. (laughs) Yeah, and the song betrays Ash because he doesn't actually want to be the very best like no one ever was. He just kind of wants to make friends with Pokemon and hang out with them, but not really be very good at anything. He is just a very lonely child who Professor Oak filled with fantasies of grandeur so that he could bang Ash's mom. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, but he had to sneak in when Mr. Mime wasn't busy cleaning the house. Yeah. I mean, even then, Mr. Mime wasn't telling anybody shit. Right. I mean, Mr. Mime is basically stepdad Pokemon, so. (laughs) I mean, Uh. I still stand by. This was from our original bonus episode, but I still stand by my theory that that I love the Ash is actually part Mr. Mime DNA (laughs) surrogate clone of Giovanni. (laughs) I was subscribing to that theory until when we covered Mr. Mime, I remembered that we meet uh, what eventually becomes Delia Ketchum's Mr. Mime in that episode. Uh, that's Mr. Mime focused, when she mistakes Mr. Mime for her own son disguises Mr. Mime. <laughs> because Ketchum dumbassness runs in the family. That is genetic, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, well, but they, they didn't want to overcomplicate Ash's mom, so they kind of made her very simple, very two-dimensional. She's not really flushed out as a character. I mean, she... Yeah, she always asked about the underwear thing, which was <laughs> one of those running jokes that very much, like became annoying very briefly and then like once it, they just committed to it every single time she appeared on the show <laughs> yeah you loved it yeah just embrace it uh speaking of dumbness i want to return for probably the last time to one of my favorite things ever which plays pokemon oh gosh nate did you follow this back in 2014 
No. So, as previous listeners might have heard, Twitch Plays Pokemon was a phenomenon where someone set up a game of Pokemon Red so that the Twitch chat would play it. They would enter, like, up, down, left, right, A, B, start, select. And the object was to beat Pokemon by having this communal mob uh, play the game. Which also meant, like, no matter what button you pressed, there was no way your button press would go the way that you wanted things to go. Because mm-hmm. you might press up, but by the time your command comes in, you're facing a wall and just walking into the wall. So there was an amazing moment late in the game where they got to the Elite Four. And so they're facing against Lance, the Dragon Master, and his Dragonite. They only had this one Pokemon, Venomoth, that was about 26 le- uh, 26 levels lower than Lance's Dragonite. And there was an amazing glitch that happened. Namely, Gen 1's AI is programmed to favor super effective moves. But they don't differentiate between moves that are actual, you know, damaging attacks and just stat moves. <laughs> so to that end, the Dragonite kept spamming, ag- uh, kept spamming agility and barrier to non-damaging psychic moves against this half-poison Pokemon. And meanwhile, the Venomoth used poison powder and leech life and eventually whittled down the Dragonite's HP until it fainted. <laughs> so even in this game where it seemed like the trainer was a complete idiot because it had a couple thousand people controlling it, the game managed to be even stupider than the trainer, and I love that. They then immediately lost to their rival. Yeah, but it was just so funny that even the AI wound up acting like a dumbass because no one really knew about this particular feature until Mm -hmm. they found out the weirdest, hardest way. Which, magnificent. Yeah. Like, the the Twitch Plays Pokemon Challenge has so many weird, like, here's how programming works Mm -hmm. (laughs) type of thing that they managed to uncover in the most baffling crowdsourcing <laughs> way possible. <Yes. laughs> um, yeah. All right. All right. So, Darling, any other thoughts on Dragonite here? Um, well, we covered the alt color, um, like his his shiny version, which mm. I love to pieces because there's only so many shiny green Pokemon out there. <laughs> like, and we're about to get to another one coming up in a yep. sec, which I'm excited about too. Mm. Yep. But, so, uh, so, Darling, how about you start us off with that uh, question? that you posed in your notes. Um, yes, right. we're talking about Mewtwo, uh, a psychic type that you first encounter at Cerulean City, uh, Cerulean Cave, which I love that I call it a psychic type, like it's just, you know, this Pokemon you encounter in the wild and not the endgame boss, basically. Uh, so, my question for you is, did you use the Master Ball to catch Mewtwo, or did you fight it? I mean, I absolutely just threw that Master Ball, because that's what I understood the point of the Master Ball to be. You know, it's this one Pokemon, you only have this one chance to catch it. Just throw up that Master Ball, especially because it's, like, so fucking tough, too. Um, you know, you didn't want to risk overshooting it and using a move that was too effective, all that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just cheap shot it. Yeah. Nate? Uh, great question. Yeah, I definitely entered into the Battle of Mewtwo wanting to fight for some prolonged period of time <laughs> and after losing two pokemon pretty quickly i was like all right master ball i'm out <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know it, it's kind of scary when you lose a legendary or when you don't catch something that you know is going to be really precious oh yeah mm-hmm. i mean you can always save scummit but that's just me yeah i mean the other thing is is that like it is interesting to me that it seems to be an acknowledgement of how op psychic is 
in this mm-hmm. generation that they made the ultimate Pokemon of the game a psychic type. Yeah. Um, but then the other side of it is also, it's cool to me that there are two end bosses that represent the two aspects of the game um, in terms of like what we consider the challenges and kind of measuring points. One is a Pokemon to catch, which granted you could just kind of skip the catching challenge and just throw a Master Ball, but yeah. one of them is a Pokemon that you have to use your skill and your control and measurement of Pokemon typing, move powers and things like that to whittle down and then catch. The other one is the your rival at the end of the Elite Four, which is mm. a sort of end game boss Pokemon battle, like a straight up trainer battle. And I think those two represent the two core challenges of Pokemon, at least as far as like what we consider that measurement. Oh yeah. Well, because your rival battle, that's the end of the storyline basically, because mm-hmm. you do get access to Cerulean Cave after you beat the Elite Four and your rival, but. Uh, it's not important to the narrative mm-hmm. other than trying to catch this Pokemon just because. Uh, you got to catch them all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I like that, although it's not really worked into the narrative that much, like later generations would work their legendaries in. Um, Mewtwo is set up through the game. Like, there's the guard outside Cerulean Cave saying there's a powerful Pokemon inside and he can't let anyone who hasn't beaten the Elite Four inside. Uh, and then the diary entries in Pokemon Mansion. Uh, that mentioned the birth of Mewtwo. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the experience of Porygon, Porygon uh, the existence of Porygon, I mean, uh, which is an artificial Pokemon, shows that scientists have tried their hand at making Pokemon. I mean, you know, I forgot about that aspect of it, that there was a guy guarding the cave with Mewtwo in it, and the fact that it was just kind of like, oh, you've beaten the Elite Four, all right, and his like job is just to stand there, <laughs> let only the most qualified Elite Pokemon trainers in, but still apparently just go drag them out by the leg. (laughs) (laughs) But the original Pokemon game was all about arbitrary barriers. Yeah. Like, there's a sleeping Snorlax in your way. You're like, cool. (laughs) I mean, I kind of... Yeah, we talked about this just last episode, actually, and I said that the Snorlax is, I think, really good gameplay design and integration in terms of, like, creating an invisible barrier that Mm -hmm. players eventually surmount in terms of, like meshing world lore and gameplay design to create a stage gate yeah. um yeah like I just having which... random dude outside of mewtwo's uh. cave just like oh yeah this powerful pokemon's in there i can't let you in well and <laughs> even like there's a gameplay reason for snorlax whereas i don't remember what gen it is but in a later game there's a moment where a route is blocked because two psyducks are having a let's say conversation and so then you beat the gym leader and, oh, hey, the Psyducks have walked away. Like, that's just, that's an invisible gate. Whereas yeah. at least the Snorlax is something you directly have influence over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a game that uh, put up unnecessary invisible gates, but did a good job putting up invisible gates. I don't know if, have you ever played the Persona series, Nate? I have not. I have been told repeatedly that I should. All right, I will give you my copy. Do you have a PlayStation 4? I d- absolutely do, yeah. Well, then I will give you my copy of Persona 5. <laughs> Um, because there's a game where you have like so many different options in terms of how to spend your time. Like, what are you doing after school? Are you going to study? Are you going to socialize? Are you going to go and work on a skill? Or are you going to just work and earn money? Um, or are you going to try to save the world? I don't know. (laughs) Um, but it gives you so many options. But then the other thing is, is like, you might say, okay, you know what? I'm going to skip socializing with this character today and go work on this skill and then tomorrow, that character that was that you passed out on today, like they won't be available tomorrow, hmm. and you just 
I mean, that's it's very realistic. Yeah. And then flip side, you decide to socialize on one day and then save work for the next day. But then, oh, it's raining, so they're not running any deliveries for you huh. to take a job on today. So, I mean, it's, mm. very, it's a very that's cool, clever. like, that's clever. twist on that sort of invisible, arbitrary um, thing that you just made me think of. So, Persona series. Four and five in particular, check them out if you haven't. Okay. I mean, I'm certainly working on Monster Hunter World Iceborne right now, so... Nice. Woo. Yeah, I haven't played the Monster Hunter series. Like, it's just... I've heard that it's... It has a lot of similar DNA to Pokemon, if I'm not mistaken, but it's a lot more focused on... Hunting? Yeah. I yeah. So. <laughs> the way I would describe it is it's just boss fights. So you're just going out and you're fighting different stages and different difficulties of bosses huh. and then once you've killed it you make armor and weapons out of their body parts so basically like shadow of the colossus but more hardcore with the Mega Man yeah. aspect at the end because you take their ability Ooh, good call yeah to an extent yeah absolutely um but that game is all about the grind hmm. so much more so than many games i've played mm-hmm. i already have 300 hours in monster hunter world combined between iceborne and the original game. Wow. Well, so to circle us back to Pokemon, have you played Let's Go, uh, the Switch iter- iterations that they released? I have yet to invest in a Switch. I will at some point. <laughs> um, but I've seen the gameplay. i kind of annoyed that they have the Pokeball throw part to the game because it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, it's a very arbitrary system, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. that in Sword and Shield it's your normal battles. Yeah, which was honestly a decision point for me. If they'd kept with the Let's Go style of just Pokeball toss, I would have been out as happy. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like I think Let's Go was intended more as a casual, like, I mean, Pokemon itself is a pretty casual game, but it was intended mm-hmm. as a casual, just you know, you played Pokemon Go, now play it on your TV kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon is as much a casual game if you ignore all of the subtleties. Yes. Like, <laughs> like once you start caring about Eevees and Ivies and start focusing <laughs> on, like, the competitive nature of Pokemon mm-hmm. and adding egg moves, like, suddenly you're sinking, you know, 20, 30 hours extra to just getting things exactly how you want them. I mean, and I think that there's even, like, a spectrum within the core Pokemon games where I think I fall somewhere on, like, 40% of that spectrum, where it's, like, it's not that I don't care about the depth. Like, I definitely want to have a well-balanced team. But I'm not doing, like, full-on studies, like, if I were to try to battle one of my friends casually, say, like, I'm not doing a full-on, like, strategic map, even as OCD as I can be, <laughs> to try to, like, rock, paper, scissor them out of, like, and put, like, a t- the proper tank in the front end of the lineup and type of stuff. Like, you're not going to go to the daycare and just try hatching a bunch of Pokemon to get one with really good EVs. Exactly. Or IVs, rather. Like, I'm aware of what those stats mean, but, yeah. meh, I yeah. just like yeah. my Onyx. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not trying to run a rain dance team and speed up all your water types? <laughs> no, I'm honestly trying to I'm honestly going to do my best to run the next Pokemon the next Pokemon game with just a team of surfetched Sir Duck with Stick team. Uh, watch as the final champion of the Elite Four or whatever is a psychic type trainer and just murders you. It's going to be the Mighty Ducks with Sticks team. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're spending $60 on a gag. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Not so, the most expensive gag I've ever pulled either. <laughs> Speaking of Pokemon that can beat up Sir Duck with Stick, Mewtwo. Um, so it seems like there's only one of these because it is referred to as its own creature. Uh, it's born from Mew canonically in the games, uh, slash it's also a clone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like there is only one, and the anime has seemed to have portrayed it that way. Uh, Detective Pikachu portrayed it as being the only Mewtwo in the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nate, did you see Detective Pikachu? I did, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Did you get the sense that the Mewtwo in that movie was the same Mewtwo from the canonical like Pokemon anime and like original OG Pokemon movie? It felt an awful lot like the original Pokemon movie in the way that Mewtwo was rolled out and the way that Mewtwo like just had so much animosity initially mm-hmm. and kind of like discovered its humanity yeah. to an extent. It's an anti-hero Pokemon. Yeah, and I mean, I feel yeah. like when he first meets, uh, when he first meets the main character, Tim? like he, d- yeah, he does Tim Goodman, because that's not an overtly uh, <laughs> telegraphing name at all, as mm-hmm. I recall. Um, he does hint at like the lesson that the original Mewtwo or he learned in the OG Pokemon movie um, about, you know, I hated humans or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the anime Mewtwo, but it has the same... I feel like Mewtwo consistently just has that as how it feels about humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah Mewtwo's the tortured monster. Yeah. It's a tragic story. Yeah, it's like Magneto or Namor. But then I think the other side of that, of the Mewtwo lore, is that even if it wasn't tortured into hating humanity, I think part of it is, is that this is the smartest possible psychic Pokemon you can have on Earth, and if you are that smart, you must realize humans suck. <laughs> well, if you've been tortured in a lab for so long, I think it would. I think it comes to that conclusion regardless of the torture. Is my thing. But hmm. like, yeah, I mean, by nature, this Pokemon does not like. Let's cover this for the listeners in case you're unfamiliar. This Pokemon does not exist in nature. This is a purely synthetic Pokemon. Yeah, that is it's, why the two is in the name. It's a clone of Mew, which is interesting because we haven't gotten a Mew yet, but they've already introduced the clone. Um, and yeah, it's not born of this earth yeah so the weird thing we mentioned this in the fossils episode the in the pokemon universe it is entirely possible to resurrect pokemon from fossils so if they had mew genetic material and they had mew like fossils or whatever they would have been able to resurrect a mew very easily as easily as an aerodactyl as an ammonite or as a kabuto but instead what they were trying to do with mewtwo is specifically enhance a dead Pokemon. Um, so that's the interesting thing. They could have gotten well, a Mew. Mew wasn't anything. dead because in in the notes in the uh, Celadon Pokemon Mansion, they specifically say Mew gave birth. Oh, I so, thought that the whole thing was was that they said that they were trying to resurrect the ancient Mew. Oh well, that's from that's a bit in Detective Pikachu about the ancient Mew. There we go. Well, Perfect. I mean, the card that they gave out for the original Pokemon movie was like a ancient Mew type yes. card. Yeah, and that one was, I think, in the plot of the second movie, too, which is just mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't think Mew has ever been extinct, or it's been a mythical Pokemon that people oh, okay. are you know, still shocked at its existence, but it's not extinct or anything. I think Mew was somehow involved in this experiment. They cloned it, which made Mew 2, and because you have to inseminate something to have a clone, somehow Mew gave birth to Mew 2, mm. and then Mew 2 fucked shit up. Yeah, and then Mew showed up, and I mean, that was just, 
So, I mean, which one does have the better base stats? Do we know this just out of the top of Oh, head? not off the top of my head. I know Mew can learn basically every TM and HM, mm -hmm. as well as, like, some moves that just do nothing for it. Hmm. But, uh, whereas Mewtwo is limited in that. Mewtwo is definitely the stronger of the two. Okay. Mewtwo is beast. Um, if you get perfect IVs and perfect EVs for Mewtwo, you can have like the, one of the fastest, if not the fastest, Pokemon. Damn. I know they had so, to tone down his stats for Pokemon Go since they don't have all of the stats in there. So they had to tone it down so that it would still be you know, not broken, mm -hmm. for want of a better term. I mean, yeah. was was Mewtwo really broken in the original gen of Pokemon? Like, no, well, fairly so? I think it was, it was incredibly powerful, but it wasn't broken. It was more that because Pokemon Go has less stats stuff going on, mm -hmm. they had to adjust its stats so that it wasn't broken. Because it lost some of its, uh, I guess, negatives. Not that it has negatives for real, but... You know, you know what it has, though? is two Mega Evolutions. I was just about to ask about them. Yeah. I mean, it's very... They're very weird-looking. I'll just say that outright. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of glad Mega Evolutions aren't a thing anymore <laughs> because of these weird sort of Space Odyssey 2001. <laughs> you say that, but then we've got Long Cat Meowth as a Gigantamax, I believe it is. Oh, or my the God, Dynamax. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the uh, Dynamax uh, reveals that were dropped this week, Nate? For the the Dynamax reveals? No, I have not. So, uh, I forgot all four of the Pokemon, but the two that caught attention in particular was uh, Chonker Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Classic Chonker Pikachu. So, Pikachu grows to an extent and l takes on the proportions of original Chonky Pikachu. Um, and Meowth straight up gets like... It turns into like a towering Dachshund type It's a type long Meowth. cat. Uh, Gigantamax. That's the actual yeah. one we want. Yeah, uh, the other two that we saw introduced recently were incredibly fluffy giant Eevee and Charizard with more fire everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those kind of got second fiddle to the Long, return of yeah. Chunky Pikachu and <laughs> oh, uh, Long Meowth. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, the Mega Evolutions from Mewtwo, there's Mega X, which looks like it's buffed up and is now partially fighting as well. It's a psychic fighting type. And then Mega Y is just all brain and pure psychic. Hmm. Like, it's literally floating, and it's got a giant head. It is a MODOK of a Pokemon. Yeah, and I mean, the psychic fighting dual type sounds like it should be... This is the this is one of the things I like about Pokemon, is that they have, they've created a system in terms of, like, the typing that you have, like, a... Ro like, you think opposing types would make something, like, relatively invincible, but that's never the case. Yeah. Like, you can have a rock... You can have, like, rock... Uh, a ground water type and that doesn't necessarily mean there's no such thing as invincibility yeah at least as now that they've balanced things out properly yeah i think the only time there was like not even invincibility but the only time a pokemon had no actual weakness i think was when there was uh pre the existence of fairy types mm -hmm. uh when there was a couple or maybe just one ghost dark pokemon oh yeah yeah because fighting can't touch that, so. And that is the one particular invincibility. But, I mean, who's, I mean, aside from, like, a gym leader, like, mm. Black Belt Kyoga, I think <laughs> was, was his name, that had all fighting types. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm surprised I actually was able to remember that. Well done. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I think, like, that combination had no actual weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You could still beat it, but it just didn't have a super effective 
move. Well, it didn't have a Pokemon type that was super effective against it. All right, so yeah. I think we've kind of slid, or at least overlapped Mew and Mewtwo, because I feel like they are fairly yeah. interchangeable. But, uh, Mr. Darling, you know, I heard an interesting rumor on the internet that you could find Mew under a truck. That is not true. Game. That is not true. I will get to that in one sec. I just want to point out, <laughs> Nate touched on this a little bit. Mewtwo has a green shiny, which I like a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And also, it's a playable character in Smash Brothers, and I love that... Instead of carrying any items, it just has it floating next to it, which yeah, I think so is some good game design and good for the lore in Smash. Yeah, and for those wondering, because Shinies didn't exist in Gen 1 where you would find Mewtwo, the Shiny does exist in Let's Go. where oh, you yeah, can, huh. Where somebody, I saw this on the internet, where somebody said, yes, because of the game's RNG generating a new Mew every time you encounter it, even though you Mewtwo. Really encounter, yeah. Mewtwo, sorry. Uh, every time you encounter it, you can save spam and turn it on and off and keep re-entering the huh. battle, and you have a 1 in 3,600 chance that it will be a shiny Mewtwo. Um, wow. so That's one way to do it. <laughs> that is certainly one way to do it. Um, I've seen people do that with some of the other games that Mewtwo appears in. Yeah, I mean, there's another, there's another famous, uh, I think it's a Tumblr post regarding shinies that I love, where somebody shows that they opened an encounter and... It was like a multiple Pokemon, wild Pokemon encounter, and it was four shiny Mareeps. <laughs> and one, like the original poster was like, you have no idea how mad this makes me. Um, and then somebody was like, I don't understand. And they were like saying, each of those shiny Mareeps have a one in 3,600 chance of happening. And they did the math and they were like, you have a better chance of winning the Powerball 10 <laughs> times than this ever happened to you because of the game's RNG. And you have to kill four of them to get one of them. Yep. <laughs> That's the other annoying That's part. That's so funny. That's um, so funny. Thankfully, that wasn't the case with Mew. Although, we do have to talk about... I do want to hear about the yeah. shiny. How, how do you get a shiny Mew? Because you do you encounter... You I don't think encounter there was it. a one-time-only event where that was given out. But mm. let's move back for a moment. Mew is a psychic type, and you can't encounter it in the game. You only get it through events. You have to go outside the game in order to get it, basically. Or glitch the game. There's oh, yeah, that's true. There that's are, true. There are YouTube videos showing ways to create, through a very specific set of conditions, to yes. glitch the game into into forcing a Mew encounter. Yes, I did that for Pokemon Yellow uh, when it was re-released as Virtual Console for the 3DS. Mm -hmm. But what was very interesting was that although you could eventually transfer Pokemon from Yellow to uh, Sun and Moon, it would recognize that that Mew was a glitch and you wouldn't be able to transfer it, which made me sad because I was kind of hoping I could get my Mew in 3D. But so, nope. but here's the thing. So you, so we know that there's only that. So you're saying that the Mew, that Mew, shiny Mew specifically was only given out one time. I think it was only one time. I'm now going to have to look that up. But so it is, it's incredibly rare and it's not something you could get through a normal event. So Nate, here's another one of my favorite fan theories that I've come across in my late night insomnia digging of the internet and i want your take on this that ditto was created in the attempt to clone mew have you ever heard that one before ditto was created in the just to try and clone mew yeah ditto ditto was a synthetically lab made pokemon that where they were trying to make the clone like in a certain way where first they made the material that could clone mew and then tried to have it clone mew that way um, so they basically tried to get a ditto to copy Mew's genetic material and then just freeze like that. Um, and that's why 
Ditto's shinies are the same, is the same color as hmm. Muse, and its base color is the same color as Muse. Yeah, they're both well. pink, and it's a kind of what do you call that? Like light blue, baby blue, yeah, icy blue, cornflower. <laughs> Isn't cornflower a little darker? I mean, uh, I, I, I will say this flat out. I spent the majority of my life believing that cornflower was a shade of yellow because of the corn <laughs> in the name. Turns out it is a blue, people. <laughs> but, I mean, I have nothing else to say about this guy. Because, I mean, like, it's it has an, a really interesting place in the mythology. Um, I'm honestly surprised it didn't oh. make an actual appearance in Detective Pikachu. Sorry, to answer your question, the only way to legitimately obtain a shiny Mew is via the old sea map on a Japanese copy of Pokemon Emerald. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you can't legally get a shiny Mew, basically. Yeah, that is a very slim margin there yeah anyway, um, sorry you were saying that was pretty much the only way to get some of those shinies yeah yeah i mean i i personally i was surprised that mew didn't make some kind of an appearance in uh detective pikachu most recently um but then the other side of it yeah. is is that i wonder if when we get the next live action detective pikachu detective pikachu um if we aren't going to get a post credit stinger with mew and yeah. it's going to be like Nick Fury appearing at the end of uh, Iron Man. <laughs> well, yeah, because Bill Nye does say the immortal words, "Ancient Mew." It'll be insert. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm concerned. Okay, I'm concerned for the next Detective Pikachu, because obviously Ryan Reynolds won't be the voice of Pikachu anymore. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Give me my Danny DeVito. So we speculated about this. <laughs> so we speculated about this pre previously which is that detective pikachu works because it isn't a pokemon movie it's a detective movie told yeah. in the pokemon universe so we speculated that like let's have an indiana jones movie style movie told in the pokemon universe and <laughs> let's have a rocky style movie told in the pokemon universe like just do that that's what yeah. and i mean that's what made marvel phase two really stand out when people were starting to get tired of Okay, here's another superhero origin story. Here's another. Yeah. They started doing takes on different genres. Like you had a suspense thriller through Captain America: Winter Soldier, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what they absolutely need. To do. I mean, Ant Man. It's a heist movie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, I would certainly enjoy a um, kind of a war film with Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, let's have LT Surge tell his story. You mean oh, Lieutenant Jesus. Surge? I like that you say it like that's his name, LT Surge. LT Surge. It's, it's not an it's not an abbreviation. It's an actual <laughs> rank. I thought those were his initials. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Let's have Saving Private Surge. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Fun thing about Mew is that it can learn, as I mentioned, every TM and HM, which no other Pokemon can do that. Uh, did you guys ever get the Mew from an event back in the day, Nate? No, not at all. I was never close to any kind of like good game store. Mm. We had a KB Toys in my hometown. Mm -hmm. Blue? I went to an EB Games for one when I was a kid, and then I accidentally overwrote the save file. Oof. Oh, that hurts me so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's an ouch for it, sure. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I felt real bad. Yeah. I feel real bad having to admit that right now. Ooh. Yeah, we went, uh, my brother and I went to the San Monica Place when the Nintendo Tour came around with Mew, and we got there, and the line was incredibly long, and we both kind of looked at each other and looked at our mom, and we were like, this isn't going to work out, is it? And so we just went back home, but she stopped and got us some fossil booster packs on the Aww. way. 
to kind of make up for the fact that we couldn't get this guy. That's nice. super yeah. cute. Yeah. Uh, shout out to past guest on the show, Ricky Darling. Um, hopefully you're not still two, three floors down from us working, but hey. <laughs> um, all right. I I mean, I, my thoughts on Mew are pretty simple. Do you mm. guys have any closing thoughts for Mew? Yeah. Mew in the game, when you eventually get him in later iterations of the game, like when they do the redos of um, Blue and Red, mm. um, Mew turns into basically an HM slave. So you literally can just keep flipping out HMs on oh, yeah. you huh. and just keep them in your party to do all the stuff huh. without having any of your effective, useful Pokemon <laughs> have to forget moves. So. Yeah. My last thought is the fun thing about new is that basically no one knew about it when it first was dropped. Uh, Game Freak programmer Shigeki Morimoto added Mew just two weeks before Red and Blue were to be released, and Nintendo didn't know about it until after the fact. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So Mew was an that. incredible secret of a Pokemon. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, there were the hints of Mew or at least something being askew in the data slots because of missing number. Yeah. Which is what that Mew absence in the Pokedex, that's what it resulted from, I heard, is from that empty RAM slot that could eventually be filled by Mew, but was being unused in the game's current, like, well, release. Uh, well, because no, Mew has to be on disc or, oh, okay. well, on cartridge just so uh like if you mm -hmm. don't have mew and i do and we're battling if you can't see mew then shit goes wrong yeah, yeah. so mew was on the cartridge it was just not available in the wild gotcha. unless you yeah. know you got some kind of glitch yeah all right okay well yeah, that's all i got you know what blue we are done we are through with the original generation we are through with the original generation except we've talked about them in their world now it's time to talk about them in our world. Welcome to Mon's world. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is right, so this is the section where we talk about what these Pokemon would be doing if they were in the quote-unquote real world. Um, so let's bring them into a Detective Pikachu, a slightly more realistic Detective Pikachu universe. <laughs> um, I'll start us off for this one. I mean, the Dratini family are just... You know, they're rare enough even in the lore that we've encountered in the Pokemon universe. I think they would just be I think they would just be in SeaWorld. Hmm. Um, you know, I think Dragonairs especially would be performing tricks, you know, with their pretty jewels and all that. They would definitely be front runners on the Lisa Frank binder family. <laughs> um, you know, Dragonite speed though, I feel like even with the advent of like airplane travel they'd be delivering shit like they oh, yeah. would 100 percent be that's canonical in something i can't remember what but there was a card uh that had it with a messenger bag yeah and i mean whereas dragonite and dragonite would definitely be used to have military applications given that speed and yeah. scouting ability but i think yeah. unlike to take us back to the original episode unlike our war criminal from episode one charizard <laughs> i think dragonite would enjoy a decorated military career you know, he would be, he would just be a stand-up military exemplar. Um, you say know. that, and then he uses Draco Meteor to just... And then he would take it, and then he would take a post in the Trump administration as Secretary of Defense, and then Jesus Christ. where are we from there? But, um, but for now, I think Dragonite would actually be, like, the more positively and well-renowned member. Like, he would not have, like, whereas Charizard would be the Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> Dra <laughs> Dragonite would be the Force Gump. 
Okay. I always love when you refer to these Pokemon as if they're the only one of their kind and they have personalities. Yeah, 100%. Okay. There's only okay. 151 Pokemon in the whole world and 20 Tauros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I guess for my take on this Mons World uh, segment, I can imagine both uh, Dratini and Dragonair being like somewhat useful, but not anything cool. Maybe just like little kid pets and friends in the real world. But I could totally see Dragonite being like a preschool teacher or something. <laughs> really oh my God. Because he's yeah. so kind. He's got such a kind face and it seems so nice. And just leading little kids out to like the playground That's or whatever. Adorable. I can absolutely yeah. see that. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> Dragonair would be a very. You know, fancy pet. Like you show up and you've got a Dragonair that's right behind you, and you're clearly an elegant person. You've got a Dratini yes. wrapped around your neck, looking chic. Ooh, yeah, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. Showing up with the Dratini neck wrap. Yeah, whereas I think try not to bring the fur trade into this. I <laughs> <laughs> think Mew and Mewtwo would just exist. They'd just be doing their own thing, mm-hmm. like because Mewtwo's the only one there is. Mew's probably also that way. So, yeah. Mewtwo's just trying to live alone in seclusion, not being annoyed by humans. Hmm. I feel like Mew and Mewtwo would end up being... Well, Mewtwo for sure would end up being stuck in a role that doesn't match its intelligence or, you know, like, usefulness. Like, somewhere in, like, a mid-level IT position. (laughs) And never appreciated. All right. Well, I think that takes us through bringing the Mons into our world. So let's go back and talk about how we would change them in their world to improve them. This is Mon Mods. Alright, so Nate, start us off here with one change that you would make. Maybe add a stage to an evolution, change typing, change design. What do you think could improve any of these Pokemon today? Hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that, or can it just be, like, simple additions to said Pokemon? We literally had one guest host say that they just wanted to turn the Pokemon into cats, so that is an acceptable answer, canonically. Okay, yeah, all right. That's right. Um, well, the... <laughs> I guess, since Dragonite is kind of chunky already, I just wish it was dummy or thick, like, a bigger, chunkier version. Give it, like, yeah, give it some, uh, give it some dragon ass cheeks that clap yeah. when it enters the arena. For a Pokemon battle, because its so first it stages the speed are snakes, and it's also <laughs> clapping its cheeks. <laughs> Dummy thick, I like it, yeah. darling. What are you changing? Uh yeah, I think, I think you and I, Blue, have had similar thoughts about this. That we just want to split it so that there's the Dratini line that has like these elegant dragons, and then Dragonair, sorry, Dragonite, which is more kind of goofy, cartoony dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got nothing beyond that, because, like, you can't really change Mew and Mewtwo. They just are. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I'll kind of tag team with you on this and, like, compliment that by saying, like, my specific vision for the, for, like, a hypothetical third stage to Dragonair's evolution. Like, let's split, let's split Dragonite into its own thing. Give it a classic, like, Larval and Dragon Wormling stage, if you want to make it a three-stage Dragon line. But what I really want to see is a different third stage that comes off of Dragonair. And if those fins are supposed to be wings, let's slide them down the back. Mm. And you don't need to give it legs or anything like that. Let's keep it like a serpentine with like much larger like wyvern wings. 
and yeah. like give it like a little bit more of a pronounced like beak or like maw or whatever you want to call it. But I like, dig that. I like it. But like, yeah, just make it like a little bit more like of a different type of dragon-like serpent. Um, okay. I was gonna say, are you hoping more for like a spirited away kind of like? Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's a good. That's an absolutely perfect call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, gosh. I'm gonna need to watch that movie tonight when I get home. <laughs> um. All right. But one last time for this generation, Mr. Darling, if you can cue us up for my favorite section of these podcasts. Are you speaking, of course, of Mon Appetit? If you'd like my personal crack medicine. Mm-hmm. Surprise. All right. So, Nate, once again, start us off and bring us home. Tell us one of these Pokemon that you would eat today and how you would want it prepared. Can I can I do more than one? Oh yeah, I yeah, like you can absolutely. A lot of preparations there. Yeah, make a go ahead and make a meal. Go nuts. I mean, so uh, Dratini and uh, Dragonair are both something I could definitely see in like some kind of like fancy sushi roll. I mean, it's, <laughs> a, it's straight like up. You would have to call it a dragon roll. <laughs> exactly, but Dragonite is so big and so thick. I I would want like to sous vide like a steak. Ooh, sous vide. Like hmm. for listeners that have never had meat prepared sous vide, oh my god, it is it is a modern marvel of culinary technology. Please, please, please find a way to try it sometime. Yeah. Um, and and from you and Mewtwo, I don't know. I just I couldn't see eating Mewtwo, it's too smart, and same with Mew. Yeah. Like you feel like you'd still be able to psychically hear it screaming every time you bit into its meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something something scarring. Something definitely scarring. I think it was drowsy that we wanted to have seasoned in its own nightmares <laughs> way back in that episode Jesus. to go. <laughs> that was dark. That's, yeah. like Even That's for us, that dark. was dark. I'm pretty sure I was responsible for that one. But, oh, yeah, of course. But darling, if you want to. um, Yeah, this was a hard one because like, none of these seem like animals that you could eat in the normal sense. Mm. Like, Yeah, Nate got really good there with making a dratini roll but yeah i don't know what to do with these um i also just wonder what they would taste like what the like obviously mewtwo that's a big clusterfuck of a question but mm-hmm. you know you look at dratini and it looks kind of slimy but also kind of sleek like mm-hmm. i do not know what the meat would go would be tasting like so i really have no idea here like oh man i hate to punt but i've got nothing i really man. don't know this one yeah all right well you know i've uh i've been notorious i think for coming up with like relatively complex meals but this time i'm gonna go super simple mewtwo's haunches look nice and thick and juicy just break me off that mewtwo leg i want to go on rides in disneyland while chomping on that like a ren fair turkey leg and that's my closer for this generation Wait, so Mewtwo is how tall exactly? And it's 6'7". So those are some giant-ass haunches that you were eating. Oh, yeah. That's a nice yeah, big that's a ham big leg. That's a big ham leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. On that note, you're going to eat something that's taller than you. Yep. Not for the first time. I think I wanted to eat Machop back in that <laughs> episode. Um, but I'm just going to point out you're eating the humanoid Pokemon. But preview for next episode, we're going to take an intermission on the next episode. We're going to have a Gen 1 wrap-up and a Gen 2 preview. It'll Mm -hmm. be just Mr. Darling and I here. 
Um, join us for that. But in the meantime, Nate, thank you for bringing this first gen's worth of the Pokedex to a close with us, man. I am very honored to be a part of this uh, experience, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, dude, you're good people. Where can people find you? What have you got coming up? Uh, anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I have been trying my hand at comedy. I guess I'm not trying to blow that up this spot up too quickly, but uh, <laughs> I do have a show in Santa Barbara. If uh, any of your listeners actually hang around this town uh, at High Tide on November 7th. Cool, cool. All right, uh, Mr. Darling, what have you got going on? Um, I've got some pieces that are on the way, but I'm trying to think. Did I promote the Pink's Hot Dog story last time? No. Well, I interviewed the owners of Pink's Hot Dogs because Pink's turns 80 this year. So look for that in Destination Hollywood online and in print. And go grab yourself a hot dog. Of course. Wait um, in line. Wait in line for that hot dog. It's going to be a longer wait. Well, uh, maybe a shorter wait than that Mew. I don't have uh, anything in particular to plug that I haven't mentioned already, but you can follow me on Twitter at Y underscore Baloo. That's W-H-Y underscore B-A-L-L-O-O. Uh, you can follow the Mon Men Pod Twitter account. That is at Mon Men Pod, all one word. Yep. You can find Mr. Darling. At Future Hasman, and I want to clarify, I said Destination Hollywood. It's actually Discover Hollywood is the publication. Nate, any social media people can find you on? Yeah, I mean, you can find me being uh, very much inactive on Instagram at BoondockNate. <laughs> That's B-O-N-D-O-C-K-N-A-T-E. I'm also on Facebook. That's probably my most active spot. Um, I guess message to add me if you want to be be a friend. Uh, still fairly private because there's too many weird folks from the hometown. <laughs> I want to be a part of my world in weird ways. Follow me on LinkedIn and see me post uh, TGIF memes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> God, I want to get into the weird LinkedIn community. Tremendous. You don't. It's haunting. <laughs> it's mid-level managers all being incredibly awful. Yep. I mean, isn't that all of LinkedIn? Yes. All right. All well, right. Well, for the last time this generation, I am Yanato Blue. I am Michael Arling. And I'm Nathan York. Thanks for being here. Just the two of us. Can make it if we try